You're listening to the Sound Girls Podcast with Susan and Becky from Florida. Today on the Sound Girls Podcast, we're having kind of a special day. By now, you've heard the voices of Tori and Katie, our new co-host and host, uh, and Daria, who is over in the UK. She is also jumping in to help Tori and Katie once in a while. But uh, today is a special episode where Tori and Katie are interviewing Susan and Becky, myself, uh, and we're going to have a little bit of fun. And so you guys get to know them a little bit and get to know us a little bit more. Um, and then we'll be behind the scenes helping Tori and Katie produce the rest of the podcast for the coming year and see what other fun things we can come up with. So enjoy this special episode. And we'll say goodbye at the end, but we love you all. And thank you so much for joining us on the Sound Girls podcast. Hello, uh, my name is Tori McCook, and I'm here uh, on the Sound Girls podcast. Uh, today, I'm with Susan Williams. Uh, Susan is an associate course director in Full Sail University's show production program. When she's not teaching lectures and labs or grading, she supports the department's video production department. Early in 2020, Susan began a freelance position at a local megachurch in Orlando, working as a video director for streaming and in-person services. Susan is accomplished is an accomplished video director, editor, and filmmaker, as well as an award-winning recognized educator. She has won awards such as the Audience Award, Best Director, Best Sound Design, NYC Horror Film Festival Grand Jury Prize, Shriekfest Horror Film Festival Grand Jury Prize, Best Horror Feature, and several other awards for her films. Susan is also a co-host on the Sound Girls podcast, Resonating Beyond Sound. And also today, we have Becky Campbell with us. Becky Campbell is a front-of-house monitor engineer and owner of B4 Media Production. As a 20-year veteran of the music business, Becky has had the honor to help mentor and train teams for several theaters, live events, and houses of worship. All while touring as a front-of-house engineer for major acts and still working local hometown gigs, Becky has had the pleasure to work with major acts such as Indigo Girls, Altman Altman Betts Band, The Commodores, Nicole Nordman, Firehouse, Colt Ford, Ace Freely, Julian Marley, Gary Puckett, and Union Gap, just to name a few, and is one of the hosts of the Sound Girls podcast and the Orlando Sound Girls chapter head. Welcome, Becky and Susan. So nice to meet you and see you today. How are you both? Good. Thank you so much for having us, Tori. Yes, thank you. Surviving. Surviving. Surviving Florida allergies. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I, uh... I, uh, I'm from Illinois and I never had any allergies until I came down to Florida. And then mm-hmm. suddenly it's like, okay, yeah. here we are and- like March, <laughs> September allergy season going crazy. Yep. We all, we all start oh, sounding my- like Cher and Barry White around this time of the year. I'm like the same. Just <laughs> I know, all, I mean, <laughs> And that's usually the morning voice when you wake up and you're like, hello, hello. Nice to see you. And. And there you go. And now that's just for a whole month. So, yeah. 
<laughs> oh gosh, uh, ladies, it's um, it's such a pleasure to have you here, and um, I uh, I've listened to some of your work uh, on the podcast previously, and um, it's it, it's so nice to meet you and just to um, contributing members to the uh, audio and video industry uh, in the Orlando area. So thank you again for coming. Um, so to start off, uh, I'd like to get a, like to get to know you guys a little bit better. Um, Susan, so you're working in video right now. Can yes. you tell me how I, I've been so intrigued how you got involved in sound girls, but just in audio in general, like what was your path leading to where you are today? I started working in theater when I was in high school. Our high school had a pretty decent theater program, and they actually had a full, uh, fully tech, uh, fly rails and everything separate theater from the rest of the school. So it was like its own standalone thing. Uh, so I started working there when I was in high school and then got some scholarships and went to college for theater, which wasn't the smartest idea uh, to graduate in the middle of a recession back in 2008, 2009, but that's what happened. Um, Some things you can't change. I mean, yeah. Uh, and then I also have a minor in film, so that kind of added the video aspect. Um you guys are going to have a fun time with this one later because I got Jonathan doing some yeah, stuff in the background. The dishes or something. Um, <laughs> he's got a he's he's filling up the water for the. Chickens, I was like, if I he's think, doing the so. dishes. Don't disturb him. We'll cut that out. Yeah. Chickens. <laughs> yes, uh, we got some chickens during the the pandemic times. We have two. Um, do they have names? Yes, they do. Uh, <laughs> the The one is named Hen Solo, and the other one is Princess Leia Neg, like Leia. An egg. Okay, so that's awesome. <laughs> that's my is favorite thing awesome. ever. <laughs> so you must be a Star Wars fan, clearly. Yeah, I mean, we had, we got two of them. We just, we were looking at punny chicken names and that was my favorite one. So, so I started, oh, I went to college for theater and film and then I worked as a live sound engineer for about 10 years after that. And I did some work with uh, micro-budget film productions and stuff like that for several years, for about five years, I think. And now uh, my department uh, in show production, we have been – well, I and some of our other like instructors have been working really hard to make our program more relevant as far as video production because there were like one or two classes, but uh, it definitely wasn't a huge focus of the department um, when I started there. So we've been working really hard to make it more, uh, like as important as audio and lighting to everybody, uh, which has been hard cause it's kind of like video is like the redheaded stepchild of, uh, the department and like me I being, a, I know yeah. oh, I get that. Yes. <laughs> being a redheaded stepchild. I, was I, like, uh, I feel like you take, guys, redheaded stepchild are more popular. <laughs> Both of you with the red mm -hmm. highlights and the, you know, the ginge. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so mm. we've been working really hard to kind of uh, get the production or the video side of things to be more predominant. And it's been going pretty well because they have re started relying on us, um, like the video people, to do a lot of shows. And especially with uh, pandemic times, they've <laughs> they've been a lot cooler to us than before. So 
that is how I went into video, I guess. I don't know. That's, re that's really interesting that, um, you know, even though you started at your, um, at your, you said your high school theater, um, mm -hmm. working with fly rails and doing all of the shows there. And then you mm -hmm. got into audio, um, but you saw a need and you were yes. able to transition to fit that need, fit that hole, um, to then use your gifts to help empower other people, um, and grow a department that, um, it, which, which I think of full sale. I don't know how much, um, the listeners know of full sale, but you know, I think of them as being at the top of everything new that comes out just in, in the entertainment industry, technical wise. Yeah. And with that, it's like, okay, well, you know, you want to have the best and you want to represent all of your departments. So I think that's awesome that you guys are just running with that and, um, really developing. We're trying to do a, a massive system upgrade for the video side of things because although our equipment isn't terribly old, you know, with video, it's it gets old really fast, you know. Uh, so we're trying to upgrade our systems into uh, what a lot of the other um, kind of like small, not super small, but like smaller uh, video departments might have, like having more graphics capable machines because we don't even have a graphic system uh at all oh, <laughs> right wow. now so they make the graphics if any um and then like it, bring them in as a computer instead of having a dedicated system so we're, we're we're trying to bring in more stuff like that which will give us our students more options to uh be creative with it because they get to have so much creativity with the lighting and the you know, audio side of things like mixing and using plugins and all of that jazz. Uh, so by letting them have more access to like graphics to make lower thirds or make cool like transitions, uh, that'll help, I think, make our productions look more legit and profesh. Um, cause right now they're kind of, they're simple, you know, it's, it's, we have video switchers, we have, uh, nice cameras and everything, but as far as like the final product, it's very, um, it's very simple, which is good but it could be jazzier. And that's what I'm looking forward to. So now I imagine you're a mentor to others. I know I, I noticed you did um, research on uh, that, w that women only account for like 5% of pro audio. Yeah, so that... that and so... Um, uh, audio Engineering Society and women in audio have done like polls and research and all of that. So I did, I did more and I expanded it into like film filmmaking and film production and uh yeah it's such a minuscule number of people so i did research in that that was just like last year is 2020 is when i started looking into that more um but I, yeah i'm a i'm naturally a mentor which i didn't intend to be but being a teacher um it's kind of intrinsically part of the job that's awesome can we start a little at uh the beginning and maybe just kind of give us a little taste of how you got into this and maybe like a bit about your learning curve, kind of getting into this <laughs> whole gig. Sure. Um, I learned by default mostly. So uh, I, I try to tell anybody I train, like the reason I'm training you is because I've screwed it up at least once. Uh, so I know what not to do. And now I know what to do. So, um, yeah, uh, I got into this kind of uh, accidentally. I was a screw up in my twenties and 
my dad kind of just was like, Hey, what do you want to do with your life? And I jokingly said, be a roadie. Um, I always wanted to be on stage, but I can't sing or play. So what else am I going to do? Push gear. Right. So he signed me up for college, literally in like a five minute conversation. Uh, we drove down to a campus and he signed me up and I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to school to be a roadie now. Um, and I started learning things about engineering and all sorts of fun stuff. And I got bit by the bug, you know, and uh, it's never let go. Like I, this is what, I don't know. It's I'm passionate about it. It's what feeds my soul. There's nothing cooler to me than my job. Um, I, I've never been bored doing it. So that's kind of, that's kind of me in a nutshell. It's, it's what I do with everything I do. I love my, I love audio. I love live performance. It's my favorite thing. I don't know if that, that answered your question. Oh, totally. <laughs> you know, I love that. I love that. I love that you got uh, bit by the bug. <laughs> uh, how do you handle being, um, making all the mistakes like in the beginning, like <laughs> not get discouraged, you know, like how did you deal with that? Uh, there's some discouragement that happens, I'm sure, you know, and stuff that, that like to this day, I still have this like thing when I mess up where it's like, oh my gosh, I'm not supposed to be doing this for a living or it's just wrong that I'm in this job. Like I'm fooling the world really, uh, you know? So I have those doubts in my head still. And it's, it's like after doing this 20 years to still have those doubts in your head, you know, um, that to me kind of drives me to continue to learn and do better. Um, I think if I didn't have those thoughts, I would just be an arrogant son of a bitch that you could never work with, you know, and would think that I knew everything. So I think if I ever get to the point where I don't have that little bit of insecurity there, that I'm not the perfect per you know, that I haven't figured it all out or I'm not perfect. I think if I didn't have that any more than I'd quit. Like, cause that's a drive for me. Like, like, okay, well you missed this somewhere in the manual, you know, so, or, or you just didn't learn it. So you need to relearn it again, or you need to humble yourself and say, Hey, to the 20 year old that's in your booth, you know, come over here and show me how you just did that. Cause I don't have a clue. Um, technology works like that. You know, it moves so fast that there's just no way for one person to know everything. So I think, uh, staying humble helps me you know, to be able to learn more, you know, and to, to keep moving forward. I love that. That's, um, very motivating for me because it, it, <laughs> it's so, you just sound so real, <laughs> but you're 20 years in the gig. I love that. So I guess, um, you are an excellent mentor with an attitude like that. Uh, and so can you tell me about maybe the importance of mentorship in your life, um, how it affected you and how you kind of continue to pay that forward, maybe through this podcast and through your work? Uh, yeah, I actually had a really good mentor when I first started out. Um, he, he was a little rough on me, uh, as in he doesn't, he didn't let me touch his console for a whole year. I followed him around with gaff tape and flashlight and all the things you need and, uh, would sit in the booth behind him and just study everything he did. And he wouldn't let me touch anything. And he, he was a little gruff about it, you know, like old school, old school patriarchy kind of stuff, but, but sweet at the same time, you know, he was taught that way. So that's how he taught. And I just remember when I got to the point where I could teach someone else and to watch what they did for the first time, like I leaned over to, to look at this guy and I was going to like, Oh, he's got to turn up the electric solo. And he did it before I said anything. And this, this like 
oh my gosh, what a cool feeling that he caught it and I didn't have to tell him and it sounded great and ah, you know, and like I got, I never thought in a million years that I would get that excited over something I had taught someone else. So I saw, like by the time, I'm backtrack a minute, by the time that Jim, the guy who taught me, let me run his console, he basically just left the job and left me in control of it. So that's how I got my first job as a tech director. Literally three weeks after he let me run the console, I was in charge. But he knew that I knew all the little things to do before that. And that's what he was waiting to teach me. You know, like the console was like the last thing. Um, so I saw how he did it and I thought that's amazing. I don't teach exactly the same way. I let people get in there, put their hands on the console, touch all the buttons, because that's what I wanted to do. So I I teach that way, but then I also teach like, hey, you're going to screw this up, you know, Um, that, but that's why I'm here, like to help you fix it when you do screw it up and to learn the troubleshoot lessons, because you can't learn how to troubleshoot if there's nothing in trouble, you know, so you're going to get in a point where you're in trouble at some point and then you have to fix it. So I, I kind of do that too a little bit when I train is kind of throw people under the bus some you know, or unplug a cable or move things. Like I don't tell them I do stuff like that just to see if they can figure it out, you know, and then I will eventually tell them like the reason it doesn't work is because here's what I did, but I want to see if you would notice it doesn't work. You know, it's, I'm kind of a rough trainer, I think on my trainees, but like once they learn it, they won't forget it, you know? And, and that's kind of where I'm at. Like I want to teach you all the defaults that I've learned the the wrong way, you know, uh, and, and learn how to go through and no signal flow and, and get from point A to point B, you know, but to see someone you've trained and mentored, like go for it is just the coolest experience in the free world. You're tricksy, eh? You're like <laughs> setting them up and <laughs> implanting little, uh, hurdles. I, I love do. that. That's good. That's, I do. That's, I, I need some of that, I think, <laughs> in my life. Some, some planted hurdles. No, that's awesome. I, I actually, I, I do a couple of trainings. One's called hit by a bus training and one's called under the bus training. Uh, so it's like, here's, it's troubleshooting is throwing you under the bus and hit by a bus is that training is what would happen if on the way to work, I was hit by a bus. Would you know how to get everything turned on and keep going? So right. those are, I don't know why a bus became like my training tool. <laughs> the- because we're working with Becky buses. in the church just yeah. learned that lesson while I was gone on Sunday. They got hit by the bus. That's mostly who I teach it to houses of worship because they always like a lot of people or like theaters where they just guarantee, Hey, that front of house person's going to be there. So nobody yeah. else ever learns anything because that's their front of house guy or their a one. That's their one person or their one lady, you know, that's their, but they have plenty director. of like, you know, lighting people or backstage hands or yeah. carpenters. They have what all those happens, people. They don't have more than one A1. What happens if I'm the only person that knows how to turn everything on in the booth? And I do that every I week. Had, you know? I had a book that I made in case I got hit by a bus because of the very first show that I wor- was working in college. I got into a car accident on my way there. And I was only a little bit late, like five minutes late, because I was getting there so early because I was so, like, paranoid of being late my first day and uh, literally got in a car accident. So ever since then, which, you know, that was pretty early on, I had a contingency book of this is all the shit you need to know if I get hit by a bus. I think I wrote on the front, if I die, (laughs) dot, dot, dot. (laughs) What a book, huh? (laughs) I had, I had... uh... 
I had a book like that in one of my booths. It was like, yeah, if I get hit by a bus, here's the first number you call if you can't get a hold of anyone else. <laughs> you know, like, like all down the list. Like, yeah. So Becky, um, so Becky, do you, I, I know you've been called Bex before. Do you prefer Bex? <laughs> okay. Uh, either one's fine. Either one's fine. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know we just met. So um, Becky, it's like <laughs> Rebecca though, right? Like, no, it's, it's just not. Becky. It's actually just Becky. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. My my mom <laughs> fell asleep and my dad filled out the birth certificate with just Becky. Just was Becky. it intended to be Rebecca? It was intended that way. <laughs> <laughs> my mom would have preferred that that was my name. <laughs> so, so I've heard about that for a while. That's hilarious. <laughs> I then, didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. My dad's very much the shortcut kind of guy, and he's just like, dude, why? Everyone's going to call her Becky anyway. Just, just make her Becky. He's right. So. All right. So that's what it is. And then some of my friends started shortening it to, I don't know, years ago when I got in this business, everybody was like, hey, Tex-Bex, what's up? <laughs> so that became my email address. It was Tex-Bex. Is that your roadie nickname? Uh, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have two, so Bex would be one. And then the other one. Uh, somehow I got stuck with Beaker for a while. <laughs> really? Like the Muppet? Like Be- Beaker from the Muppets. The redhead <laughs> from the Muppets. Are now on Disney Plus. Um, yes! Mostly because I think the guy I was working with at the time, uh, he said that I talked too much and it was mostly just like Beaker. I was just like, like all the time. And then he's like, and the hair sticks straight up. That's okay. I nicknamed him too and it's not as nice as Beaker. <laughs> All's fair. But it's funny because I worked with that crew doing installs for like a year. And to this day, if someone's trying to get my attention and they yell beaker, I'll say yes. And I don't know why. I'm just <laughs> kind of like, what? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So it kind of stuck a little bit. That's, that's so funny. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so Becky, you do a lot of live sound work. Uh, from from I what I read, and um, what has been the most rewarding? Uh, and not to not to single it out and say, oh, this is the absolute best. But what was the most rewarding uh, live sound experience for you throughout your career so far? I don't know if I can nail it down to just one, but um, but you know, there's there's moments like in every show where you just kind of have that like couple seconds where it's just the coolest feeling like when the lights go down and the crowd roars you know and you're standing in the middle of that crowd um and know when the cues come in for everything to pop up and they don't know yet they're just screaming and yelling and then it just bam the downbeat hits and it's like you can't you can't duplicate that feeling or that energy anywhere um it's definitely a rush and like my favorite part of the show uh i i had one of those moments at the New Orleans Jazz Festival, uh, we set up. That's one of my favorite moments ever. Um, first time I was out with Indigo Girls, that was my first show with them, actually. So I kind of got thrown in the hot seat right away. I had never mixed them live. Uh, I'd never mixed at the New Orleans Jazz Festival either, so that was like a whole thing. And then uh, where we were standing in the crowd... I'm really short, so I can't see much behind, like, two rows of people standing up behind me, you know, so it was just kind of like, oh, there I am, and I was kind of, like, in a little hole in the field anyway, so it looked like maybe there was, you know, four or five hundred people there, which is, oh, that's cool, it's an outdoor show, everybody's, like, standing up and cheering, and uh, we hit the downbeat, and the crowd screamed and yelled, and I heard them, like, way behind me, 
and it was a lot of people. And then I got really nervous. Like literally my hands started shaking and I was like, calm down, calm down. That's a lot of people, you know, and just like focus on what you're doing and try to talk myself down for a second. Cause that I initially just about threw up. I was like, what? But it's still one of my most favorite moments just because of that whole, all the chaos that hit at that one moment in my mind. And then like, Oh wait, slow down. You're mixing a show. Get back in the, well, you know, and I feel like just that experience of like, you feel so small, you know, at times, you know, when you're behind a console and you think like, why, um, you know, why me, you know, why am I the one who gets to mix this? And then it's just this overwhelming feeling, you know, like you said of, you know, I get to provide this to mm-hmm. all these people and it's just, it, it, it's a really neat feeling. I totally get that. It's cool. Yeah. We do. We're very blessed. We cool We're very blessed. <laughs> all right. So Susan, um, I see that you've won many awards for horror films. Yeah. I want to know about this because, um, I, okay. So I recently got into enjoying Halloween. Like I I know, obviously, since you guys are from Orlando, you know about Halloween Horror Nights. Um, Mm -hmm. So anyone who doesn't know, Universal has Mm -hmm. Halloween Horror Nights um, every year. Uh, Last year was kind of iffy. They had a few houses because, well, you know, we're (laughs) in pandemic mode. Um, But we're getting better. We're getting better. Um, Anyway, but I finally uh, just enjoyed uh, Halloween. I uh, went to wow. the Horror Nights. So I'm a Halloween newbie. So I'm very intrigued. Uh, <laughs> how, how did you how, how did you get involved with uh, the horror side? And what really drew you to that? Uh, last year, this last year was actually the first year in, I mean, over a decade. So like more than that. I mean, since I've lived in Florida that I didn't go to Halloween Horror Nights because all they had was like a couple of houses during the daytime. It wasn't like the full like shebang that they normally do. So it was the first year that I've missed it. And I was like, well, this, this pandemic sucks. (laughs) Like this sucks. Um, (laughs) I've been every other year since I was like 18 years old. Um, so that was, that was kind of rough. But, uh, when I was in college, I had a, very small group of friends in film school that were interested in horror because it's, it's again, and I use this phrase a lot today, apparently, uh, horror is like the redheaded stepchild of the movie industry, like the film industry. They don't, uh, it's not very respected. A lot of people think like those movies are just like popcorn trash movies. Um, they don't usually get, uh, you know, submitted for legit awards and, and stuff like that. Um, although, uh, the movie um, that won Best Picture last year. Um, fuck, what's it called? <laughs> Parasite. Oh my god. Hmm. Yeah, my brain is like, melted. Oh, um, Parasite won Best Picture last year, and that was a, a not um, English, a non English speaking horror film. And so that was a huge huge, huge, huge thing for the horror industry in general, because it won best picture. And that had never happened before. They had never had, um, too many horrors that, you know, won awards at all in the Oscars. And then to have a non English speaking movie win was really big. Uh, so it wasn't like I had a lot of, um, it wasn't like we in film school had a lot of people to back us up. If that, 
if that makes any sense. Like it just wasn't, you know, in 2009, 2010, it just wasn't, um, it wasn't cool for our scene that we were in here. Um, so the, the director of those films and some of our other friends, uh, we pretty much just worked on each other's movies because that's what you had to do. Because uh, uh, in at UCF University of Central Florida, everybody in the films in the film department, uh, you would make your own movie. It wasn't like at Full Sail they would vote on a movie, and then everybody works different positions on that film for their thesis project. But at UCF, you got to make your own thesis project for for yeah. yourself. Um, so one of the shorts that I worked on, I was in development for it uh, while I was in school, and then when I graduated is when we actually filmed it. After that. And it did really well. It did really well. It got into a couple local festivals, and then it won awards at those local festivals. And then it went to bigger ones like uh, Fantastic Fest over in Austin. And that was a huge genre festival for us to go to. So we made a lot of connections there and made a lot of friends. And we actually toured with the short film. <laughs> like, we would go to the festivals. And uh, we didn't get to go to too many of the international ones because they didn't give us uh, enough advance notice for us to get there, like the Scotland Film Festivals and Imagine. Oh, wow. So um, you could have traveled all over the world. Yeah. I, and I, I ended up doing that for work anyway. Um but it would have been nice to be able to go for those things, but it just didn't work out at the time. Um, but we did get to go to a lot of different places here in the States. Um, and then he, uh, that director made a feature for his master's uh, thesis, and so I produced that. And then that one did pretty okay in the festival circuit as well. Um, so none of those awards, uh, as a producer, <laughs> that's the great thing about being the producer is you still get credit for all of the things. Um, uh, and that's why at like the Oscars, anyone who wins best picture, it's all the producers that come up there because <laughs> those are, those are the people that get that award. So, mm -hmm. um, a lot of those were because I'm, I was a producer on the film, but I did a lot. I didn't just, um, do pre-production and I did I did so many things. I did pre-production. I did sound supervising. I uh, was a location scout. I helped do casting. I even was in charge of catering because it was such a micro-budget film. Oh, wow. And then all the <laughs> post-production stuff and then going to all the festivals and then working to get it uh, um, uh, distrib distribution and all of that. Uh, so I worked on it for years and years and years. Uh, micro-budget films are a labor of love. They are, not, they are, they are, you're not going to make money off of those, but hopefully, uh, it leads you to the next project. Um, and so that was my foray into, uh, micro budget filmmaking. And I, I've just always been a horror fan since I was a little kid. So it was easy and fun. And that's like, and it's so amazing when you can actually do what you love. I mean, cause you know, it's, I feel like in, in whatever area of tech you're in, you have to pay your dues for a certain period of time. Um, but the fact that, you know, you've actually, you know, you've latched onto, mm -hmm. you know, you know, what makes, I, I guess, you know, your heart happy, you know, yeah. what really resonates with you. And, um, that's so cool that you've been able to be involved with that through yeah. a young age and through school and now just in producer roles. Um, so that's, that's really awesome. We found our subgenre of people and that was kind of, that was kind of great because like I said, in film school, it was like, it just wasn't as, res as respected, you know? 
And so being able to go and travel and see other people who made other weird, like, horror movies was, it was awesome. I feel like you're a ginger trailblazer. <laughs> I, I, I really do. <laughs> Between, I mean, you're beautiful, uh, you're beautiful red totally. hair to the, to the video, to the horror, to the, you know, you're awesome. You're, yeah. you're doing, oh, you're doing great you. things. It sounds like it's part of the, like, thing that we we always end our podcasts with like well what is your advice to people and the advice is overwhelmingly uh don't be close-minded like look for opportunities that happen like i wouldn't have been able to do any of those things on my own you know those were all because of collaborative efforts and projects with other people and that's how all of us do anything you know uh so just i rolled with it (laughs) yeah so, uh, Becky, uh, tell me when you were on, um, on the road, how, what was the, um, I would say, what was the percentage on the crew between men and women? Cause I know like, uh, with the, where I've worked, I usually find myself <laughs> in the minority. It's like the whole crew of guys. And then here's, here's Tori. Um, but yeah. what, what, what has it been like for you? What's that exposure been like for you? Uh, so some of the tours that I've been on, um, I was on one tour. Uh, I was one of two women. Um, I was the only woman tech and then we had a backup dancer. That was a woman. So, uh, we, we roomed together once in a while, uh, because of that, but, uh, it, it was a small tour and like first starting out kind of thing, you know, but, and everyone else had been, uh, long time touring roadies, you know, so I learned a lot like from those guys and, uh, and they were really open, really cool to having, uh, you know, a woman on the crew and we were just treated like, you know, Hey, I'm the monitor engineer and, and it wasn't a big deal, you know, but the whole band that I worked with were all guys and one dancer that was a female. So, uh, so that was a little, a little bit interesting. And there was like the little male, you know, club that happened backstage often, but we were both, we are both very, uh, outgoing women and very outspoken. So we will just say stuff like, you can't talk You're like one that. You're one of the guys you at that you know, point. Knock it off and, you know, but yeah, yeah. But being, uh, the last tour that I was on, probably about 50%. So there's, I mean, obviously the girls are the lead, you know, artists. So there's the Indigo girls and then they have, uh, a violin fiddle player that plays along with them, um, on that tour. And our monitor engineer is a, a guy. Our backline person is a guy. Uh, I'm front of house and, then that's it. I mean, like our bus driver is even a woman on that tour. Um, she owns her own bus driving company, you know, and stuff. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Indigo is pretty, pretty open about just hiring whoever the best is for the job, but also, um, keeping an open mind, uh, to look for women in the industry as well. They've always been that way. Um, in the eighties, they toured with a full woman crew. Um, and we're one of the first people to do that. Um, you know, so, uh, that, that's pretty neat, you know, uh, as far as that goes and, and it's basically just who's best for the job, you know, but, but not, I mean, obviously keeping that in mind when they're hiring to, to, to keep a lookout for women and minorities and, uh, people of color and whoever, you know, whoever uh, is the best for the job, but, but keep that in the forefront of their mind to not, to not just always go for the, they may not be the best one for the job. So that's. Right. Right. So 
that's 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 a big deal. Um, there is there's an interesting thing now. I talked to Susan about this. The, the something that happens in all these little small theaters and houses that we went into the last couple of years, we kind of started doing this as a joke because my job is to unload the truck and pop the trailer. And so I'm in the truck right off the bat. Um, and both the guys go inside and check out the theater and do that. I usually don't even go see front of house until after the truck is unloaded because yeah. I'm just like, I want to get the job done. Right. So a lot of times I just don't go in first. And then the guys are like, dude, everybody always thinks we are the monitor engineer and the front of house engineer until you get in the building and then you tell them. But like the backline guy was always like, dude, they constantly think I'm the front of house person. And he's like, how rude is that? That that's what they think right off the bat. Just cause I'm a dude. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we started kind of playing a joke where I would just walk in first and stand in the middle of the stage and see how long it took someone to come up to me and either introduce themselves or assume that I was somebody I wasn't. Right. And so I don't even remember what the number was, Susan. I think it was like two houses out of 19 in a row that we did where people didn't assume that I was like the wardrobe or the merch person or Something like no one ever thought I was a front of house person and or treated me that way in 19, two out of 19 <laughs> houses. Anyway. So that, that, that discouraged me a little bit, even mm-hmm. though we did it as a funny joke. Like we started talking about it afterwards, just like how crazy is that, that that's the stigma out there that people automatically assume I'm not the front of house person or the monitor engineer. Like, they're like, hi, is your band here? Um, are you merch? Like, that's the first thing out of their mouth, you know, or, uh, you must be, you know, management or whatever. So it's, it's kind of, uh, the stigma is still there for sure. I, I think that's great that you actually did that experiment because, you know, it's like, you know, break the stigma and, you know, it's like, just because you have this idea, it doesn't mean that that's yeah. what it really is. And just like, just wait until you get behind the console and they experience your gift. And that's, um, you know, I, and that's something that I really appreciate about sound girls is the fact that, you know, you're taking, you know, strides to breaking down that wall, breaking down that barrier. And like you said, with Indigo girls, yeah, they were hiring people based on who was right for the job. And, you know, I, I don't, I'd love to know how you guys feel, but you know, I don't, I feel like just because, you know, you're in a minority doesn't mean that you deserve the job. And just because, you know, maybe you are that stereotypical, you know, white male doesn't mean that you deserve the job, but all right, let's see what your personal skills are. Let's see, you know, how well you work with a team. Let's see, you know, what, you know, what your knowledge base is, you know, get behind that console. And even if you get behind that console and you don't know, well, I mean, I, I would think touring with front of house and monitors, you know, you have that certain, you know, expectation of, you know, you have to be this good, no question, because, that, you know, that's why you're here. But even if you don't yeah. know something, just if you have the humility just to come up and say, you know, I don't understand, I don't know this. Can you help me with this? Is such, you know, a wonderful thing because then you can continue to be molded and, you know, Susan, like you were saying, technology changes all the time and you have to be on top of that. And if say there's something that I haven't came across, but you have, I know that as a team member, I can rely on you. And then you're just making the best decisions for your team as a whole. Yeah. 
Dude, even some of the places that, like, on that, on the last tour I was on, uh, I got thrown on a Digico console and I haven't mixed a lot on Digicos, but I filled in for the original front house person that was mixing for them and he had a digi already on the road. So there was, you know, and it talks to the monitor console, which is also a digi. So there was a bunch of conversations we had before I got out. Like, yeah, I can jump on any console and make it work, but is there somebody there on site or with your team that knows this console also, just in case I have questions. Well, yeah, the monitor engineer was, and he's been on digis for years. So he was like, I'd be glad to help you out with whatever you need. And there were times when I was like, Hey, can you come to front of house? Cause this is dumb and I don't understand, you know? And so he'd come out and be like, Oh yeah, you just need to do this and then show me. And I'm like, Oh, that makes total sense. You know, but like some of the stuff where you just get stuck, you know, and you need another person to yeah. run around it, you know, it's teamwork and it, it's a lovely thing. It's a there's, lovely thing. There's something to uh, people being more open to uh, taking a chance on, you know, minorities, in ge- just anybody who's not the typical audio engineer, because it's kind of a bros club and it's getting so much better, but it's more than just hiring the same friend you have over and over and over again. I'm not saying don't hire your friends. If your friend is awesome, yeah. then hell yeah, take the crew that you know you can work with but it's still valuable to take that chance and and get somebody in there that has those skills that you may not know because let's be honest with some of your friends you you know what they have right um for better for worse and so finding that you know extra person who can maybe bring an extra little sparkle in is is worth it usually I, I, I agree. Um, I had, uh, about a year ago, um, I moved, uh, between stages, uh, where I work and I, I wasn't expecting that change. And when I moved to this new stage, I met one of the most wonderful guys and he was brand new to the company and he was looking for that opportunity and it was just, okay, you know, he was that added extra sparkle and you just have to keep your eyes open for, uh, for those, uh, people that come across your path. So I know, uh, we're running, uh, close to the end of our time. Um, so just to wrap up, I would love to know, um, from both of you, uh, what is one thing that you think that we can do, um, to best empower women moving forward, uh, looking for opportunities in the audio industry? Um, (laughs) I, (laughs) I have been trying to use this platform that we've kind of, we kind of took over for ourselves. Like Becky just decided that we were going to do this podcast. And so I've been using that platform to be able to talk on other people's podcasts and like widen my network. It's so much bigger in this last year than it was before. Um, because everybody had the time to make content Mm -hmm. because they weren't working as much. Uh, so I've used that and it's paid off already. Like I was on the, um, uh, hold on. My, my brain has always, has been dead all day. Um, the live, uh, yeah. So I was on the live sound summit last summer and then I was on Nathan Lively's podcast for sound design live and a young woman found, she listened to that episode and heard me talk about things I do and the research and sound girls and everything. And then reached out to me cause she's like, I, I it sounds like you've got resources and I would love to, um, you know, talk with you more and connect so I can, I can learn more. And I was like, 
fuck yeah, that means this whole thing is working because she like sought me out. And as a teacher, yeah. I kind of force myself on my students like, hey, you have to do this assignment that forces you to explore different parts of the audio industry. <laughs> like, uh, Whether you want to or not, yes, guess what? You, you're going to learn about audio. You're going to Google what else? <laughs> well, here's yeah. some resources to find out more about whatever you're into. Like, You have to do it. Um, so it was awesome to get that opportunity where that person reached out to us. And so- I forwarded her message to Nathan and I'm like, bro, I just had to share this with you. Like, this is awesome. And he's like, yay, it's working. <laughs> um, so that is why we're doing the things we're doing. I, I would piggyback off that and say the same thing. I've had a lot of people, uh, email me and ask me to be, uh, you know, a guest on their podcast or on their training website or whatever as well this past year, just, uh, being that we're all home doing pandemic-y things, you know, and Zooming every day and all that kind of stuff, um, we're being able to reach people in our industry a lot more totally. than I think it's been in, in years past where we're busy and we're out on the road and we're stuck in a studio for days and, you know, you can't just take an eight-hour or 18-hour day and stop and Zoom with somebody in our industry. You know, yeah, you might be you able to call them if you can get them on the phone. Day, um, right? and, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's, I mean, I've had friends of mine I've had for 20 years in the business that I haven't talked to as much as I have this year, you know, in, in the last 20 years. So it's like, Hey, what are you doing now? And where are you going? And getting to hear some of their stories and even learning things from them, you know, or being able to get on webinars myself and learning new equipment that I haven't had time to, uh, in the last couple of years, right. because I started a business and, you know, like I'm splitting myself in multiple <laughs> yeah. or directions, you know, and, and there's times when I just want to learn something new and I've had the time this season to do that. So that's, that's been really fun for me, uh, feeling like, oh, I can branch out a little bit more and learn more about some video, which I'm interested in. And Susan's taught me a lot of video things too, you know, and, uh, that's helped in houses of worship where I'm helping out right now because right. that's audio, video and lighting, you know, and it's, I'm in charge of all three, which most of the time I'm just doing audio. So it's, it's definitely stretched me a lot, uh, to be able to talk to people outside of what I normally do, you know, and also I've learned a lot that way. So I think anybody that's coming up behind us, you know, to continue to use these, tools and get on the podcast and listen to podcasts and listen to training, you know, tools. And I mean, YouTube's going to be there forever. And there's so much content that was put out this year that I'm sure some of us have just scratched the surface of, you know, like when I'm laying in my bunk on the road now, I'm going to be watching some of it, you know, so that I'm really excited that people can learn that way too. I was able to share with that girl, that reached out to me, um, mixing music live that I was like, this is what you need to do. Uh, she doesn't have any classes right now. I looked it up, but I'm like, sign up for her emails yeah. and take it the next chance you can. So we're doing yeah. that's something too for like Michelle, right? She just started mixing music live, right? She was mm -hmm. already starting it right before the pandemic hit. And now she's been home off the road. So she's been able to yep. finish her whole curriculum and get it out there. And so we're able with our platforms to, which is her platform because she helped start Sound Girls to begin with. But either way, we're we're still trying to help promote each yeah. other, um, 
rather than the community that, you know, when I started working in the industry of just, you have to climb over other people to get to, to where you are and you don't have to do that. We can, we can promote each other and lift each other up. It's not a competition anymore. (laughs) Well, I, I think too, like all of us being in this pandemic situation, it's all, it's created a, for lack of a better term, a level playing field for everyone. Like nobody's coming from a place of, we're not all in this together. You know what I mean? Like we're all trying to learn and do and keep and have jobs and give jobs to other people. So there's, it's finally all even. And so it's just wherever we started from, we're all right here. So it's like, Hey, you know what? I've never talked to Becky. I've known about her forever, but we've never talked. Like I've, I've known who Robert Scoville is. For years, I've known who Dave Rat is for 25 years. Yeah, I've I got to meet to Dave Rat. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so those are the kind of cool things where it's like you can just kick an email to someone and they're actually in their office or at home answering. And, and they're like, yeah, we'll talk to you about it. What do you want to know? And I'm like, that's so fucking cool. Yeah. Like, there's never been a time in history that I know of where it's been like that where we're all able to communicate and learn from one another. So uh, connecting and just like you said, growing that network, empowering, I mean, empowering people. I mean, you know, even if you feel like, you know, you were close to the same, you know, playing field, you know, now, like, like you said, everyone is just in, in this together and can help grow. And those of us who are doing our discipline have the opportunity to then, really, you know, look at what we're doing and what we can, how we can set, uh, the future up for all of those people to come back into their discipline and do what they love once, once entertainment starts to come back into the world too. Oh, ladies, uh, it was such a pleasure getting to, getting to talk to you and getting to know more about you. And just thank you so much for the opportunity. I've just, it, it's been a wonderful, a wonderful time getting to connect with you both. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tori. Thank you so much for joining us this last year on the Sound Girls podcast. We want to give a big shout out to Carrie and Michelle for allowing us to do this and to all of our Sound Girls listeners and all of our guests and everyone that has worked so tirelessly to help us get our podcast going. Thank you for letting us join you each week and do all the awesome podcasty things. I cannot wait to hear the new episodes and all the interviews that Katie and Tori will be doing. Uh, we wanted to share just a little bit of how fun Katie and Tori are and how much fun we've been having doing the podcast. Some of this uh, next segment is just some outtakes and uh, fun stuff that we've done in the last month or so. So enjoy, and we love you all. Talk to you soon. Susan, I've heard that we have sexy voices. That's what people tell yeah. me. So, hey. Someone oh, said yeah. we have sexy voices? Oh, yeah. Sound yep. Girls Sexy Voice Podcast. <laughs> That's what we, we need. <laughs> we can make a calendar and sell it to pay for our expenses. Uh, no.
It's not going to be a sexy calendar, Becky. It's just going to be a calendar. Well, if it wasn't a sexy calendar, then I don't want to do it at all. Well, <laughs> we'll sell it as as sexy, but it's really just going to be us, like class pictures. <laughs> yeah. Like all the ones where it, all the pictures of where it freezes when we're doing. Yeah. So it's got all the weird. The face weird. of like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The one, I'm gonna send. Um, we're gonna have one of the months has to be when Susan's chicken pooped on her keyboard on my computer. Yeah. Wait. The face. Come, come again. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Susan's chicken. She was, was showing, showing me Becky the chick. One of the chicks. And it literally and it dropped totally, a poop. Right. I and heard, she heard it. The... Like I heard it hit the keys, and I was like, "Oh!" And the look on her oh. face. I snapped a picture as quick as I could. It was so funny. So that's definitely one of the months of the calendar. Oh my god, Thank absolutely. You. Awesome. I, I kind of want that chick pooping sound in my audio library, please. <laughs> they drop big Me too, poops. actually. It's like, it was you like the You guys are free to sound. have the chicken poop sound effect. I grant you access. Chicken poop sounds. If you also need chicken poop for any reason, we've got plenty of that as well. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm good. I'm Here set. No worries. <laughs> we haven't got our compost set up yet, but we really need to because the poop Oh, is... you're killing me right now <laughs> with the chickens. Okay. We have to go. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's <laughs> fine. That's fine. <laughs> you have that thing where they put the snow out and then they pour the maple syrup on the snow and then they like put it around a stick to make it like a lollipop. I've never had that. Can you believe that? Oh, I'm like a terrible Canadian. It's I'm disgusting. Yeah. Didn't know that well, was maple syrup is good. Yeah, gross. Wait, what? <laughs> Excuse oh, me. Oh yeah, see, see, you're gonna get. I think you just now. made an enemy. <laughs> what do you eat? Like, like fake syrup, like pancake syrup, or like? What do you, you mean? Gotta, on you can't have real Canadian maple syrup on your pancakes. Or I have, no I have maple syrup on my pancake. I have it. I, we just ran out, actually. But I might have one in the fridge that has a maple leaf from Canada. But that's got to be old by now. Because it's been a couple of years. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Have you ever had peanut butter? Because that's a better replacement. Really? What? That, is that what you have, like, on your waffles? Waffles in your... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All these Peanut fun butter. facts mm. about y'all. That sounds really rich. Sounds I would just want rich. a lot of butter. <laughs> yeah. Pile on the butter. butter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Give me butter. Butter and maple syrup all day. Every day. Ooh. I think uh, I have a chin yeah. dedicated to that. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> I'm just looking at myself now. I'm like, uh, what in the world? Mac and cheese pancakes? That's disgusting. My mouth. <laughs> My mouth has hit the floor for the listeners. <laughs> Wow, that's yeah. scandalous. Who came up yeah. with that? Who came up with that? Uh, Christina Tosi from The Milk Bar. Ah. This is my favorite cookbook. It is uh, Milk Bar Life Dude, milk- by Christina Tosi. Milk and- Bar is amazing, by the oh way. Oh, my God. Shh. What? I've made so many. Th- they have one in Toronto. Uh, I've made so many things out of this book that it's like got sticky notes and like gaff tape stuck to it and crap. Um, huh? But yeah, mac and cheese pancakes is one that's in here that I've always wanted to make but haven't because I don't know that I wouldn't be judged so harshly. No, that you know. didn't come up with the recipe. You're just following it. That's okay. You just want to eat it. I'm judging yeah. you. So I just want to eat it. Yeah. Try it. Mac and cheese pancakes. Try it and then judge yourself. Yeah. I'm judging um, you now. I love this book, man. 
Shut up, Becky. <laughs> and on that note, that was the sound. That's it. <laughs> With Tori and Katie. Thank you for listening to the Sound Girls podcast. Susan, what are we going to do on I'm Monday? I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. You didn't mean what? Thank you for listening. To say shut up, uh-huh. Becky. Whatever. You did. <laughs> That's how we're ending this relationship. We're done. I'm done. Oh, I'm done with you. No. <laughs> okay, I hear the verb now, but it almost sounds like delay. It's like yeah, that no, one did. No. Why don't I hear it? I feel so left out of the experience. It's a delay for sure. Audio, huh? Never hmm. trying to show us all up with your perfect audio. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you're hearing from my end. It's probably Sounds great. just terrible. Oh. <laughs> All I see is the red dots every time I laugh, like the peaking. I'm so sorry, editor. Thank you, editors. We love our editors. You're seeing red on your end? It's, yeah, like when I laugh because uh-huh. I have a... Oh, good. It hits good. into the orange once. Mine does too when I laugh. Yeah, laughter. I don't. I don't know what we're gonna do on Mondays, Becky. Um, probably up like unless they're uploading the podcast. You, we could still upload the podcast. You can do I that. thought you were gonna be making. You guys want mac and cheese pancakes on Mondays? You have That's so much doing. free time. Mac and cheese, <laughs> so Mondays. much free time. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Sound Girls podcast. This has been Susan and Becky, and we are signing off. And so happy to introduce Katie and Tori as our new podcast people welcome guys hey hey we're the new podcast people (laughs) and we're gonna be with you next week and for the next year so we're excited to be with you and i hope you like our voices because this is what you get um (laughs) it's us the great thing is becky and i never worried about that we just were like well for it we're like hey if you like it cool if you don't oh cool We're here either way. My mom will listen. Is that all we need is one listener? That's it. Hey, That's all we need. Yeah. Your mom. It's perfect. Your mom and my two cats. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Score. And I like that the cat thing is continuing. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll be a nice uh, continuation of cat buttholes in the podcast. Should I get a chicken to shit during the podcast? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. For sure. It's a legacy. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Cats and chickens, oh my. Oh my. I think we're going to have a blast listening to Katie and Tori, and I'm super excited uh, to continue the Sound Girls podcast and to see where we go from here. Thank you all for listening and joining us every week on Tuesdays in the Sound Girls podcast. If you'd like to listen to more Sound Girls things, go to soundgirls.org or our YouTube channel. If you have ideas for the podcast, suggestions for us, comments, or you're just bored and want to shoot us an email, you can do that at soundgirlspod at gmail.com and we'll get right back to you. Have a great week, everybody.